does the Bible really teach us that homosexuality is a sin, or is that just an old interpretation that's kind of outdated these days? We're going to talk about that today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, April the 2nd, and I'm your host, Toby Logsdon. Of course, on Wednesdays, we do cultural issues and apologetics, and this week we're going to be starting our new study on homosexuality. And of course, like I said in a previous lesson, this is going to be at least three lessons. It's actually going to be at least four lessons, uh, possibly five, but we're going to go completely in-depth on this issue because it's something that matters. It's something uh, that I think we definitely need to discuss, and it's something that I think will be a blessing to you guys. And it's something that I've never really... um, studied in depth before. So hopefully it'll be a blessing for you guys. But anyway, I also hope that you enjoyed Monday's podcast. I know that it was a little bit shorter than uh, our usual lessons. It was considerably shorter, but it was a lot of fun, uh, especially for my kids, as you might imagine. But if you missed it, go ahead and go back and and check out Monday's lesson on Romans. I'm sure uh, you'll enjoy that, but not as much as my kids did. But anyway, I got an interesting email this week, and actually I was just completely blown away by it and actually humbled by it. Uh, It was from a pastor in Pakistan, Uh, and obviously, you know, you guys know that there are some parts of Pakistan that are extremely hostile to Christianity, so to know that, that somebody in Pakistan is listening to us is just... Wow, that is that is pretty cool. I just want to send a very special thank you out to those of you who are supporting Bible Study Podcasts, who are helping us with our server costs every month. It's because of you guys that we're able to keep doing this uh, the way that we are, to keep growing the way that we are, and to reach people all the way over in Pakistan. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is just, man, I am psyched about that. I don't know about you guys, but I am psyched. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started with our study today with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We know that it's true. We know that it speaks to our lives. We know that there is just so much power and wisdom in your word, Lord, and we just thank you for it. I pray, Lord, that you will enlighten our minds today and speak to our hearts as we look at this very touchy issue and try to make some sense of it so that we can understand you better, Lord, and live better for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's let's start off with uh, talking about why we're doing this study. It was necessary for us to do a really in-depth study on homosexuality for a few different reasons, actually. The main reason is that the number one download of all time on BibleStudyPodcast.org was the lesson that we did about 14 months ago called A Christian Response to the Gay Agenda. Believe it or not, we've had over 7,200 downloads on that lesson alone. You know, I don't know if somebody posted it on a forum. I don't know if it just comes up a lot when people do Google searches for podcast lessons on homosexuality or what, but man, that is a lot of people who have listened to that one lesson. And that really should come as no surprise since another reason that we needed to do this study is because so few churches out there today 
even want to address this issue. And, you know, maybe that's understandable if it's because uh, churches maybe don't want to be associated with all the extreme so-called Christian groups who take this issue, the rising trend of homosexuality, uh, to be the one thing that God hates more than anything. And let me just be right up front about this. God does not hate homosexuality more than anything else. God hates all sin. And yes, there are varying degrees of sin, but there is no legitimate reason to say that God hates homosexuality more than he hates any other sin. You know, we've all seen the groups that I'm talking about that nobody wants to be associated with. They call themselves Christians, and then they do stuff like they show up at a soldier's funeral spewing just pure hatred toward homosexuals, blaming, uh, you know, homosexuality in this country for the soldier's death and putting all kinds of, of really, you know, disgusting uh, signs up for everybody to see. And I am absolutely disgusted with those people. And I do not consider those people to be Christians. You know, that's between them and God. But, you know, looking at, at the the light that they're trying to shine, they're not shining light. They're shining darkness. Hatred is darkness. So that's what they're that's what they're showing. And I have no desire for anybody out there to think that I am in any way associated with those people or that I have anything in common with those people or that I am anything like those people at all. So for anybody who's listening to this, just to find out if I hate gay people, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm just going to come right out and say it. I want to reach the gay community in this country, and I want to win them over for Christ. And that won't be done, it can't be done, by hating them. So I don't hate gay people. I do not hate gay people, nor am I judging gay people, just to set the record straight. I'm not going to be sending anybody to hell, because that's not my place. I'm just here to shine some light. And I'm not saying that gay people are in greater need of God's grace than I am, personally. I need God's grace as much as anybody. You know, I'm just saying that all sinners, myself included, because I admit that I am a sinner, all sinners need God's grace. So that brings up yet another reason that we needed to do this lesson series. There are a lot of Christians out there who aren't even sure that homosexuality is a sin. Well, you know, is it or is it not? You know, I was taught in college, and granted, it was a college that had a very liberal view or interpretation of the Bible, but I was taught in college that the word homosexual wasn't even found in Scripture, and that Sodom and Gomorrah's sin was that they were inhospitable. Well, you know, if that's the case, I thought, then maybe homosexuality isn't really even a sin. Well, you know, obviously some of you have had the same question because someone named Embrace Humanity a few months ago made a post on BibleStudyPodcast.org and said, quote, I'd really like to hear another podcast about this issue. I think that the 16 minutes was too short and there was not enough biblical information. I know the point of the podcast was how to respond to the gay community, but why the word agenda? Do homosexuals have it set and planned out to intentionally ruin our society? At the end of the podcast, I felt a little abandoned. I was left with a lot of questions. So please, talk about this issue again. And I agree with you, by the way, that we did leave a lot of questions unanswered in that lesson on reaching 
out to the gay community, but we're going to have a lesson specifically on whether or not there is an agenda to the gay agenda. But, um, you know, the lesson that you're talking about, the the Christian response to the gay agenda, that lesson was really designed uh, not to answer those questions, but rather more to demonstrate, first of all, that we as the church are doing an absolutely terrible job of reaching out to the gay community. And number two, to demonstrate that there is no legitimate medical evidence to suggest that there's a biological link to homosexual persuasion. Although, you know, maybe, you know, I wouldn't be completely surprised if they eventually found one, you know, but, you know, so if that day comes, we need to be prepared to give a response better than, uh, you know, you're not really biologically programmed to be a homosexual. But, you know, this past week on 2020, they were, uh, they were doing a, a little thing on, on homosexuality and whether there's a genetic link or not. And they got this scientist up there and he says, uh, you know, he's doing all this research, but, you know, he doesn't give us the results. He doesn't give us any indication as to whether or not he's found anything. He just says, well, it seems to me pretty clear that there is a biological link, but he doesn't present any evidence. And then they show another uh, geneticist, another scientist, who says there is absolutely no scientific evidence up to this point to demonstrate that homosexuality has a biological um, predisposition. So anyway, that's what this whole series is going to be about. But the final reason for this lesson is because the timing is right. Um, Parents, you need to know what is coming up in the next few weeks. You need to know what your kids are going to be up against. Have your children told you about the National Day of Silence yet? It's coming on April 25th of this year. There's an email that's currently circulating that reads, on Friday, April 25th, several thousand public schools across the nation will be observing a day of silence, DOS. DOS is a nationwide push to promote the homosexual lifestyle in public schools. By remaining silent, the intent is to to disrupt the classes while promoting the homosexual lifestyle. And that gives us about three weeks to prepare for it. So get on the ball. And if your kids are in middle school or if they're in high school, you need to talk to them about it. Equip them with scripturally legitimate reasons not to take part in it. So, you know, without any further ado, let's talk about that. What does scripture say about homosexuality? Well, first of all, there's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we find in Genesis chapter 19. We read, quote, starting with verse 4, going through verse 9. We read, Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, that is, the house of of Lot, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand aside. Furthermore, they said, This one came in as an alien and already he is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. That's verses 4 through 9 of Genesis chapter 19. And of course, we all know what happens after that. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed by God because the outcry of their sin is so great. But what is the sin that they're guilty of? That's the question. Well, 
Some, like the faculty at the college that I attended, suggest that it was being inhospitable. And the origin of this interpretation can actually be traced back to 1955. So actually, it's a it's a pretty new theory. Uh, when an Anglican priest named Derek Sherwin Bailey rejected the traditional interpretation, which viewed the sin as being homosexuality, and uh, Bailey's objection was based on the KJV translation, which renders verse 5 as saying that the men of the town demanded that Lot bring out his visitors, quote, that we may know them. And there's obviously a big difference between getting to know somebody and having, you know, sexual relations with somebody. So here's another fine example of a flaw in the KJV, by the way. You know, it's not what the verse says. That is how it was rendered, because when the KJV was written, everybody knew what it meant when you talked about knowing someone. It meant having sex with them. The Hebrew word yada does sometimes mean to know, as in to get acquainted with, and Bailey argued that yada only refers to sexual intercourse 10 times in the Hebrew scripture, and actually there are between 10 and 20 times that yada refers to uh, to intercourse. But According to Bailey, the men in the town just wanted to inquire about the visitors. They wanted to know their credentials, they wanted to know where they were from, and so on and so forth. And then there is another theory that originated with Dr. Peter Gomez of uh, Harvard Divinity School in 1996. And his theory was that the sin was homosexual rape. So according to Gomez, all rape is an abomination to God. But as he wrote, quote, this instance of attempted homosexual rape does not invalidate all homosexuals or all homosexual activity, end quote. And of course, you know, Harvard Divinity School isn't even a, uh, it isn't even a Christian seminary. Rather, it's a universalist Unitarian seminary, but you know we can't reject their interpretation or their position just because they're not, uh, they're not evangelical Christians like we are. That would be the genetic fallacy that we talked about a couple weeks ago on the Q&A lesson. But both of these alternative interpretations are seriously flawed because context is actually what determines meaning. We have to interpret words like yada based on the context of its usage, and there's no no doubt in the mind of the honest reader that the sodomites intended to engage in homosexual acts with Lot's visitors, and that's why uh, Lot offers his daughters instead. And you know, while I don't think that was exactly the right move either, it does demonstrate that the men weren't interested in just committing rape because if they were, you know, they would have they would have taken Lot up on that offer. So the amusing thing is that the word yada appears twice in this narrative, and Bailey himself even admitted that it refers to sexual activity the second time when it's used in reference to Lot's daughters who quote have never slept with a man. End quote. But, you know, whenever we find repetition in a passage, it almost never has different meanings, unless the author is making a very obvious play on words. And sometimes Paul did that, for example. But, you know, there's no indication that the author here is making a play on words, which leads us to the necessary conclusion that the first usage of the word yada means the same thing as the second usage. It's referring to sexual relations. Further, it would have been absolutely ridiculous for Lot to offer his virgin daughters if all the men of the town wanted to do was to get to know or to become acquainted with Lot's visitors. But, 
you know, what we find is that Lot refers to their intentions as a wicked thing. I mean, what could possibly be so wicked about becoming acquainted with somebody? You know, so of course, that's not what that's referring to. And as for the homosexual rape theory that Gomez had, uh, you know, the intent of the Sodomites wasn't to rape Lot's visitors, at least not at first. Rather, their intent was to have sex with them. And it was only after Lot refused to let them in, to have homosexual sex with his visitors, that they became violent. Rape is never mentioned as being an abomination to God, but homosexuality is, which actually brings us to our next reference in Scripture. Homosexuality is specifically referred to in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, which says, You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. And this is reiterated in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, which says, If there is a man who lies with a male as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. You know, how much more explicit can the Bible be, can Scripture be, in labeling an act as a sin? Well, you know, leave it to modern-day liberal theology to try to find a quicker way from point A to point B than to be just going in a straight line. You know, some have argued that these verses are only referring to homosexuality that's associated with idolatry. And what they'll do is they'll point out that Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 17, specifically addresses the Canaanite ritual of homosexual prostitution. And these liberal scholars have tried to argue that the same rituals are being referred to in these verses from Leviticus. But, you know, these verses that we're looking at in Leviticus refer to homosexual acts in general and not just in a specific context. You know, the verses that we're looking at from Leviticus don't say that it's an abomination, you know, unless it's in a mutual loving relationship. They say that homosexuality in general and categorically is an abomination to God. And further, you know, some people have even argued that the Levitical law is no longer enforced and no longer applies and contains commands that only applied to Israel. But to make this assertion is just absolutely poor interpretation, poor hermeneutics. You know, if you look at the behaviors that are mentioned in the verses surrounding Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, for example, if you're going to say that homosexuality is no longer an abomination because none of the other laws from Leviticus are an abomination, then we also have to say that adultery is now morally acceptable. It's prohibited uh, two verses earlier in verse 20. We have to say that sexual intercourse with animals is morally acceptable, which is prohibited one verse later in verse 23. And we have to say that sacrificing children is morally acceptable, which is prohibited the verse immediately prior in verse 21. You know, these are all things that are listed together. They're all lumped together, and none of them are given extenuating circumstances under which they are morally permissible. So another verse, uh, another passage that we can't overlook is found in Judges. Judges chapter 19, verses 22 through 26. Here we read, quote, while they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house. Pounding on the door, they shouted to the old man who owned the house, saying, bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. The owner of the house went outside and said to them, no, my friends, don't be so vile. Since this man is my guest, 
just don't do this disgraceful thing. Look, here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. I will bring them out to you now, and you can use them and do to them whatever you wish. But to this man, don't do such a disgraceful thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the man took his concubine and sent her outside to them, and they raped her and abused her throughout the night, and at dawn they let her go. Well, you know, obviously this story is extremely similar to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And again, several attempts have been made to dismiss the notion that homosexuality is the disgraceful act being referred to in this passage. But, you know, here we go again. The Hebrew word that gets translated to say disgraceful thing is nabala, which almost always has a sexual implication in its use throughout scripture. And again, the word yada is used here in reference to sexual acts. The fact that these two terms are used in conjunction with each other makes it just abundantly clear that, you know, the the disgraceful act is indeed the homosexual acts that the men want to engage in. So while the old man throwing his concubine out into the street could also be labeled a, you know, that's a pretty despicable act, if you ask me, but, you know, that doesn't negate the fact that homosexuality is referred to as a disgraceful thing, and just for for the record, it doesn't indicate that God approves of the old man throwing her out to the men for the night. But, you know, so that passage, again, it demonstrates that homosexuality is a sin, It's a disgraceful thing. The passages we've covered so far are, you know, they're very explicit in that they teach that homosexuality is a sin. But there's one other Old Testament passage that some scholars will put out there in response, uh, you know, to argue that the Bible doesn't label homosexuality as a sin. Paul Thomas Cahill, for example, writes, quote, Could David and Jonathan have had an erotic relationship conjointly with their intensely stated love for each other that surpassed that of the love of a woman, as we find in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26? Only myopic evangelicals and orthodox Jews insist that there could not have been any eroticism between them because they would not have violated God's commands, end quote. And again, that is a scholar named Paul Thomas Cahill. But, of course, you know, we find several references to the type bond that uh, that David and Jonathan had with each other. But the fact is that in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, for example, you know, we read that the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and that doesn't indicate that they had become one flesh, which would be the term used to denote a sexual relationship. You know, this is a figure of speech which indicates that the depth of their natural and, and healthy and heterosexual friendship. And if any of you have ever had a best friend before, you know exactly what that verse is saying, because you know what it's like to feel like your souls are bounded together. That doesn't mean that you have homosexual feelings for that person or homosexual tendencies toward that person. And to imply that that's what's being communicated in this text is not only just terrible hermeneutics, it's slanderous to David and Jonathan. And then we also read in uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 41, that David and Jonathan, quote, kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the more. So, looking at this verse, does this verse indicate that they were involved in homosexual acts? Not at all. I mean, come on. It wasn't uncommon. It wasn't culturally taboo for a man to greet another man with a kiss on the cheek. In that culture, there is no homosexual connotation to kissing another man on the cheek. And to read homosexuality into this text 
and to read into this text that it was more than just a kiss on the cheek or, you know, kisses on the cheek, it, it's it's honestly just sick and wrong. It's not there. And the only way that somebody would see homosexuality in that verse would be to bring that mindset into that verse and read that interpretation into the verse because it's honestly just not there. And actually, right now, we are actually over the 20-minute mark, and I've got some more verses to go here. So we're going to have a short lesson to be put out on Saturday, which will cover homosexuality in the New Testament, because there are a couple verses there that we do need to take into consideration. But I also want to remind you guys that next week, next Wednesday, is the second Wednesday of the month, and every second Wednesday we have our Q&A lesson. So if you guys have any questions pertaining to, you know, God, theology, Christianity, Christian living, you know, whatever, send them on over to me. My email address is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com, or if you're one of my friends on MySpace, you can send it to me there, whichever works better for you guys. But we will definitely pick this up on Saturday with the New Testament references to homosexuality. But thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this is educational to you guys. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you guys next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcasts.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcasts.org org and click on support on the right hand side you can make a tax deductible donation from there by doing so you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who just like yourself desire to find answers and meaning in scripture we thank you for listening today and we pray that the lord blesses you and draws you closer to him keep growing closer to jesus